Hey everyone, a few weeks ago we had a powerful combined church camp over the weekend called the X-Church UK Getaway, and here's one of the recorded sessions. We hope that you'll be blessed by it. This will be my final um, sharing on the topic of God is able but, God is able but. So let's turn to the scripture. Thank you Pastor Dave for the water. Uh, John chapter 5, John chapter 5. Um, I know some of you are probably still, you know, your mind is just uh, turning and uh, your eyes uh, haven't stopped crying. Uh, but uh, let's, let's dig into God's Word and may the Word of the Lord encourage us by the Holy Spirit uh, this morning. It's all going to be good. It's all, you know, uh, Romans 8.28, isn't it? Uh, all things work together for good to those who love the Lord uh, and are called according to His purpose. All things work together for good. So we want to confess that. Okay, let's turn to John chapter 5 and let's read the Word of God. Uh, here in verse 1, after, these, after this, there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be made well? Remember what I was telling you about this last couple of days was that, you know, we have a choice. We have a decision to make. Jesus would not force... You know, it's so obvious that he wanted healing, right? But Jesus still asks. And Jesus will continue to ask you and me. Even though it seems obvious, he will still ask. Because he wants it to be our choice. He wants it to be our decision. He wants it to be our will uh, that says, Yes, Lord, I follow you. Yes, Lord, I'll serve you. Yes, Lord, uh, I will love you. Uh, yes, Lord, I will obey you. So Jesus says, Do you want to be made well? The sick man, instead of answering that question, Yes, I want to be made well, had this to say, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool. So he starts with an excuse, which many of us also do that. We start with excuses. Actually, God just wants a straightforward answer, Yes or no. Uh, but he said, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. Okay, let's look at uh, uh, the first slide, please. Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. I want to share with you today, this morning, uh, well, it's turned into the afternoon now. Uh, but uh, I want to share with you something very, very powerful that the Lord taught me and I'm still learning to use it uh, every time I'm down, every time I'm scared, every time I'm nervous, every time I'm not sure about the future. Uh, I have learned in God to continue walking. Because there is power in walking. Power in not stopping. You know God's will, you know God's heart, you know God's word. And the Lord tells me and has told me many times, Kenneth, the wonder is in the walk. You see, many times uh, when we are down, we sit down. When we are sad, we, we, you know, uh, we take a break. 
uh, when we are depressed, we look for our bed and we sleep on that bed and just like any depressed person, you get up just to go to the toilet, then you go to bed again. You get up just to take a drink of water, you go to bed again. Uh, but it's all the position of defeat and the position of giving up is always sitting down, lying down and pausing and stopping and not carrying on doing what God has called you to do. And the Lord has told me many times, you know the four lepers that you know, was facing famine in the land? They just decided one day, I will walk. And you know what the scripture says, as the four lepers, lepers men walked, God caused the walk of four lepers men to sound like the army. And the Syrian army ran for their life because they thought, who is this coming to destroy us? God can turn your walk into a wonder. But we must keep walking. And I tell you, a lot of Christians have been defeated by the enemy and they are sitting down and they are giving up and they say, you do it, I'm done, I'm done. And uh, I, I don't want anyone to be in that position. And if you are in that place of having given up, uh, surrendered, uh, you know, like, yeah, enough, uh, I'm done, uh, I'm going to go to bed. Uh, I pray that the Lord will stir up something within you this uh, morning, this afternoon, and uh, remind you that you are to make a choice. You are to make a decision. You are to um, say yes, Lord. Okay? So, uh, let me just uh, say to you that before you and I can actually walk, there are two things that need to happen. And the Scriptures... Uh, tell us that. Uh, it says here, rise, take up your bed and walk. So walk is number three on this list of priority. So you and I must walk and keep on walking because again, the wonder is in the walk. Keep on walking, keep on believing. Keep on having faith. Keep on praising God. There's a scripture I love so much. Psalm 43 verse 5. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise Him, the help of my countenance and my God. I shall yet, it's in the future, I will definitely praise Him one day soon. I'm sad now, I'm down now, I'm telling you my hope is in God. And I will continue to hope in God because I will praise Him he is the help of my countenance. My countenance might, might, might be really sad now. It's down. It's, it's got tears rolling down my face. But you know, He is the help of my countenance. It will turn from sorrow to joy. Are you all still with me? I, I hope in God I shall yet praise Him. It's very important. Uh, this uh, psalmist who wrote this was like speaking to his own spirit. He was not even speaking to you. He was speaking to himself. Come on! Are you all with me? Sometimes you have to do that, no? When you're feeling down and scared and uncertain, you're saying, soul, why are you cast down? Soul, why are you disquiet? Why so quiet? Why so down? Why so depressed? Soul, hope in God. You're speaking to yourself. I believe David did that. You know, King David, once upon a time, his own men wanted to stone him because he, they, they lost their family, lost their children, lost their possession to a group of bandits who came, took everything away and burned down the city, Ziklag. And David and all his men cried because of sorrow of heart. And David, the Bible says, was concerned because the men talked about stoning him. His own men wanted to stone him. 
But you know one scripture there that is so powerful? It says, but David strengthened himself in the Lord. Christians, you need to learn how to do that. Kenneth, get up. Kenneth, wake up. David, don't be afraid. Come on. You've been called to do this. You can do this. You've been called to do this. You can do this. It's not I who called you. God called you. You know, you're, you're speaking to your own heart. David strengthened himself. A lot of us leaders are, are very good at strengthening others. Not very good at strengthening ourselves. Wake up. Get up. You with me? Very, very important. One time, I remember a missionary uh, shared this story. Uh, he was doing mission work in this uh, village and they're all uh, unbelievers and then he was slowly uh, making headway and he was getting one by one saved and the witch doctor one day stood on the hill and he slit the chicken's uh, throat. Blood gushed out and you, if you know the spiritual, every time you attach anything with blood, it becomes more powerful and in the, in, 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 in the righteous uh, way, it's the same. Jesus' blood, very powerful. Uh, we will never be saved without blood and, and the darkness also imitates uh, uh, what's right and they do it the wrong way. They take blood and they seal a curse. And so as the, as the uh, witch doctor was uh, uh, slitting the throat, blood gushed out and then he mumbled uh, some curse. Immediately the attack went on to the missionary. The missionary fell to his knees because he felt a, a pain on his side. And uh, we, we have been taught in church before, never confess anything negative. Uh, because if you confess, you open the way. So let's just say, if you think suddenly, oh, it's liver problem because my father also had liver problem. Oh, it's liver cancer or something like that. You, you say it. And so, this is how the enemy works. He can make you feel pain, but he cannot do anything else to you until you confess. You must open the way. So a lot of Christians don't know this. So they say, oh, must be cancer. Must. No, the, the devil cannot put cancer on you until you begin to confess cancer. Are you still with me? And a lot of people don't understand the power of darkness. So, 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 but this missionary, he was taught. So he, he said, I'm not going. Power of life and death are in my tongue. I'm going to confess life. He said, God, do not let this which doctor win? I'm here to do your will. He's speaking to himself. No, there's no church service. There's no one here to pray for you during prayer time. This was the only prayer time. You, you, you got to strengthen yourself. He says, God, do not bring shame to your name. Lord, you have called me. I'm your servant. Lord, I've already led a few people to Christ. We want to lead the whole village to Christ. Please, God. I can feel the pain, but I don't live by feelings. I live by faith. Five minutes later, he gets up. The pain is gone. The witch doctor turns around because he knew he was defeated. Goes back into his house. And that night, a storm came on that village. And lightning hit the witch doctor's house and burned it down with him inside. You don't mess around with God. And you don't mess around with God's servants. But what I, what I, want, I want to teach you is that you've got to learn when you're alone speak to your own spirit speak to your own soul speak to your own mind are you all still with me this is very very important so david strengthened himself in the lord so the first thing you need to do before you can even walk and that's why a lot of christians don't walk they they, they they're defeated on their bed they're defeated in their spiritual wheelchairs because the first thing you need to do is rise Am I speaking to somebody this morning? Rise. You've been put down by the devil. You've been put down by friends. You've been put down by people who did, wasn't sensitive with their words. Put down. Every day we are surrounded by discouragement. Encouragement is very lacking in the world and encouragement is very lacking also sometimes in the church. 
Sometimes you have to encourage yourself. In the Lord. Strengthen yourself. And I tell you what, you know how, what the proof was that David strengthened himself? I tell you what the proof was. He got up and he led men to bring all their wives and their children back. He led men who hated him. I don't know whether you ever see yourself when people don't like you in the office that you can still lead them. When people don't like you in the school, you can, you're talking about a man who just heard that his men wanted to stone him. He, he doesn't turn to his men, he turns to the Lord. And he strengthened himself in the Lord, turns around now, goes back out to his men and says, Men, I'm going to get my wife back, I'm going to get my kids back. You want to follow me or not? It's not a joke to lead people who wants to kill you. But you can when the Lord is on your side. You can lead people who hate you. And now after the victory, he got back the wives, he got back the children, he got back all the possession and more because he got the enemy's possession also. Totally annihilated them, took all that they had and came back. And there were men who were so weak they couldn't follow David. Remember that? Remember the story? And um, the men who followed David said, don't give them anything. You know, they failed to follow us. They were unbelievers. They were, you know, they lack of faith. And David says, don't talk like that. Today, the Lord gave us victory. We share with people who went out and we share with people who stayed back and protected whatever else we had. You know, David had such a... You know, every time you strengthen yourself in the Lord, you have the right spirit. And you talk the right way. You think the right way. Everybody say, okay? Rise. We need to rise. Or at least be willing to rise. We can be helped, just like at the beautiful gate in Acts chapter 3, uh, Peter and John saw a man crippled at the, at the gate and said to him, look at us, silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. You know what happened? They actually reached out their hand and helped the man up. Church is supposed to do that. Reach out your hand and help the person who is weak to stand up. But do you know, finally, whose decision is it? It's the man. You can be helped. Someone's hand can reach out to you and try to pull you up. Praise God for that hand. Praise God for the church that's supposed to be that hand. Praise God for Peter and John who reached out to this man to help him up. But the decision to stay up is the man's. The, the decision to get up is the man's. Are you all still with me? And a lot of people will say, oh, you never helped me, like, you never helped me, you never helped me, nobody helps me. No, no, the church doesn't care. But would you be willing to help yourself? Would you be willing to stand up? Because at the end of the day, I'm, I'm, I'm on this message, if you haven't caught it yet in the last uh, three messages, that we have a decision to make. We have a choice to make. We are the church. So the most important help must come from our own will and determination. So the first point I have for you is take responsibility. God is able, but please take responsibility for your own decisions. Let me share with you something very quick. So you heard about, about my story about my dad. And some of you, I, as I was sharing about my story, I didn't realize that it touched you so. Uh, and, and some of you were in tears even as you hear, heard that. Uh, well, thank you for, for feeling for me. Uh, that's the kind of background I grew up. And I I was waiting for the day when I can walk out of the front door old enough and able to provide for myself and I was going to say, bye dad, 
because that was you know what he was to me. Uh, someone that was despised in my eyes, I just could. I just, yeah, people tell me, yeah, but he's your dad. He's your dad, but you know, you don't know when you're not when you're not there. It's, it was painful. My dad suffered a stroke. Um, at fifty three, fifty four, and because my dad was like what he was, nobody liked him. Not even my family, aunties, my uncles. He had remember eight other siblings. Nobody liked him. Uh, and uh, he had a second wife. I told you about that, right? Uh, my stepmom. My stepmom also left him. Okay, so he had two broken marriages. And uh, I have a half sister uh, from my father's uh, second marriage. Nicole is her name. And uh, by the grace of God, now she and stepmom is worshipping in the new church that I planted uh, called Exquatikamuni. God restores. But let me just go like this. Uh, this, is, this is important for you to hear. Uh, my father had stroke. Nobody wanted to take him in. I had already married and left the house. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm like, God, thank you for giving me a dream come true. I no longer need to be with this man. I no longer need to, you know, yes, I can forgive him as a Christian, but, you know, I, I just, uh, you know, enough is enough. I think, you know, that's, that's fine. Before, I, before we strangle each other's neck, uh, you know, I'm gone. And I was gone for a few years. You understand? He's gone for a few years. And dad has a stroke. Nobody wants to take him in. And God says, will you take him in? And I tell you, that was one of the toughest decisions. I just left for freedom. And God says, your dad needs help. I tell you, I cried. And I thought to myself, why are you doing this to me, God? I now have a new life, a life of my own, my own family, you know? And, and I, I can tell you, uh, there were like strong thoughts in me, like, why didn't he just die, you know, in the first stroke? Do you, are, are, you, are you with me when I talk to you honestly like that? It, it was very painful. And I had to come to a place where, like we learned last night, yes, Lord. Because there's no other way, you know. The other one is no Lord. And I know what no Lord brings. Not just nothing, worse than nothing. So yes, Lord. Very tough. Because there's a scripture that says, honour your father and your mother. And I thought to myself, yeah, he's, he's not really a father, but he's my father, biologically. So, I took him in. I took him in and uh, took care of him. And I remember... Uh, when I brought him to the hospital, I brought him to the hospital, it was university hospital, and uh, my dad had not gone to the toilet for seven days. And so uh, they finally brought a mobile toilet next to his bed because he's, he's in this condition, right? Stroke, can't really move. So he's, he's about 270 pounds. That's how heavy he was. And so they were trying to get him off the bed to sit on the toilet, the mobile toilet. And so when he sat, on it, he just went for seven days, as in like all seven days in one drop. Okay? And then the male nurse said, you can now wipe him. I don't know how many of you have ever wiped your dad. I pray you don't ever have to. But if you have to, I pray that you'll be ready for. But I wasn't ready for it. Because there was a male nurse. And I'm like, hey, we're paying you, you know? 
And the male nurse himself was scared to wipe my dad because it was heavy and you have to ask your dad to bend over and gave me tissues, like a lot of it. I, I, know, I, I know that you'll be like, Pastor, why are you so graphic? Because I want you to understand the very emotions and sometimes even what it costs you to say yes, Lord. So I took as much tissue paper as I can. I closed my eyes. I, you know, and, and I, I said, bend over that, right? And I wiped him. And then the Holy Spirit spoke to me. said, wipe it again. It's not clean. If it's not clean, there'll be, you know, there'll be other problems. And would you want other problems? I said, no. <laughs> wipe again. Wipe. And I felt the pleasure of the Lord as I was doing that. It was like no longer doing it for my dad. But the, but the Lord said, whatever you do to the least of this, you do to me. And I felt like I was cleaning the Lord. It changed the whole perspective. I was helping Jesus get clean. That was the thought that was coming in my mind. And so I took another bunch of tissues and I think I went four times just to make sure that he's clean. And in my mind, of course, I'm thinking, please don't go to the toilet ever again, you know. <laughs> because while I'm, while I'm wiping him, the guy didn't even take the toilet away, you know, so all the stuff was there, right there, in front of me. Oh my God, it's true. <laughs> so, you, so you wipe and then you put it into the bowl. You wipe, you put it into the bowl. Right? This is a man who whipped me with his belt. Yes, Lord, isn't always going to be easy. But there's something about what God does that requires us to rise from our own little, but you know He whipped me, but you know He, and there's a thousand and one excuses why you shouldn't say yes. And that's what we need to rise from. Take responsibility because that's not the male nurse's father. You, you might start pointing, no? But he, but she. The man who was there 38 years at the pool was waiting for the angel stirring and someone to carry him. So the first thing he said to Jesus when Jesus asked him, you want to be healed? Is no one to carry me. No one to wipe my father. You with me? There are too many of us, the reason why we ain't seen the miracles that we want and need to see is because we haven't risen from the place where we need to rise. Everybody okay? It wasn't easy. And then, I looked after I wiped and cleaned my dad properly, you know, some wet wipes as well. Uh, and then I, I, you know, I put him back to the bed and I, I, the Lord ministered to me and said, Kenneth, thank you. You know, you know, not my father saying thank you because he couldn't speak, stroke. Jesus says, thank you for wiping me. Jesus says, thank you for wiping me. <laughs> you know, sometimes we can sing a lot of wonderful Jesus songs. Huh? You know, I want more of you, Jesus. I, thank you for wiping me. I said, you're welcome, Lord. I, it just totally changed for me. Totally changed. Sometimes we can be very 
very Christian about, you know, just doing religious stuff, but sometimes the rubber meets the road and Christianity becomes real. And, and power begins to flow. And Jesus begins to speak. And so the next thing I, I, I did was I, I, I looked at my dad after about uh, uh, nine days being there and he didn't wash his hair. My dad has dandruff problems. So even one, two days, uh, already you've got you know, flakes. So by the ninth day, uh, his hair is oily and there's dandruff everywhere. And the Lord says, would you now wash his hair? A man who whipped me for not closing a door. A man who asked me at six years old to light up his ganja for him. His marijuana. Are you all still with me? So I went to the shop and I said, what should I buy? Ah, just any shampoo, another voice comes. He doesn't deserve your best. Come on, just put whatever, just put soap lah. This man doesn't deserve anything else than soap. And as I was walking, the voice of the Holy Spirit started to speak. He's, he's got dandruff. You've got to find something that helps with the dandruff. It's, it's, it's one thing to tell you rise up. It's another thing to actually explain to you what rise up looks like. Because a lot of us are probably walking through the aisle and having a decision to make. Do I just give this guy trash because he deserves trash or do I give him the best? And so I bought head and shoulders because that was the only thing I knew. I knew and it was expensive. And, 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 and the Lord says, no, choose the best smelling one. So, you know, mint. <laughs> and I tell you what, I went to the hospital with the head and shoulders in my pocket and I saw my dad and I said, Dad, I'm going to wash your hair. Oh, wash your hair. Oh, yeah, come. 270 pounds, you know, just me and him. Got a wheelchair, put him on the wheelchair, wheeled him to the nearest bathroom. You know, the bathrooms in public uh, hospitals, uh, we need to pray before we go in. <laughs> and pray after we leave. The... I wheeled him in, closed the door, hopefully nobody comes and uses his toilet. And sitting on a wheelchair is not easy to wash hair, no? Because after you wash, you have to rinse. But there you go. It's now Jesus. Right? Jesus is saying, do this. So I'm putting the shampoo and I'm feeling like one of those washer ladies or guys you know, in the salon. Shh, 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 shh. Okay. So I'm putting that and, and as I'm, as I'm scrubbing, so you've got, you got to pour the water. Why, why, why is this pastor giving details? Huh? Because I want you to see what rising looks like. Every decision. You've got to rise. You've got a choice to rise or to sit down and sulk. Rise. So I, I, I'm going to wash his hair. Let's, let's, let's do the best. Pouring water onto his hair to make it wet first before you put the shampoo is, and not getting his body wet is a skill. How did I do it? A lot of towels on his neck. Why am I doing this for my father? Why? What did he do for me? If I go that way, we have nothing to share about today. But the Lord continues to ask us, rise. Before you even walk, rise. So I'm pouring water and I'm... And as I'm washing his hair, he's saying, mmm. He's enjoying it. He shouldn't be enjoying it. He shouldn't be enjoying it. I should have used soap. And then he goes, oh. Almost like, yes, more. You know? 
Then the one this way. The back. Ten minutes. Because after I did the first time, I heard the voice say, do it again. Three times. So that the dandruff will be gone. But you know, in, in the midst of doing that, I heard, when my father said, mm, I heard Jesus going, mm. and the more I heard Jesus saying, mm, this is good, I washed even better. Because it, it wasn't my father's head anymore, it was Jesus' head. Oh, okay, Jesus, you like, huh? Jesus, you like, huh? Oh, 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 oh. You know, you, you, just, you just feel the joy and the pleasure of God. Mm. Some of you think we can only do that during worship, no? So we sing. Worship is powerful, but worship is one of the easiest. Please rise to worship. Easiest to rise to worship. Please rise to wash your dad's hair that you hate. Worship. 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 Jesus. Mm. Kenna, that's good. And now I'm doing everything very carefully, you know, putting water in his head. Wash. And I'm wiping his hand. It's all clean. Why you cast down on my soul and why you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance. So what happened was, after six months, my father passed away because he had a second stroke. But I brought him to my house and I gave him a room. Actually, I moved from an apartment to a house because of my dad. Actually, I was really loving the apartment, but God said, this room in the apartment is so small. Your dad, give him a bigger room with a bathroom attached. And I said, okay, God, I'll do it for you. I'll do it for you. Just every week I had to rise up. Every week I had to make a decision. And, and, I, and I felt like God was actually setting me up for a breakthrough. So finally, my dad lands onto the, the, the bathroom floor, hits his head against uh, the tap because he had suffered a heart attack. And the second stroke took his life. We carried him, waited for the ambulance for one uh, hour, uh, brought him uh, to, the, uh, to the hospital. The doctor said, your dad's head is so filled with blood, I think it's not worth pumping it out. He's going to be a vegetable after uh, we do. Kenneth, you make a decision. Would you release your dad? And I cried. I cried because of this. Six months that my dad was alive with his stroke, me washing his hair, wiping his bum, uh, and doing all that for him. My wife and I, we work quite hard, uh, and we only come back after dinner. But because my dad was living with us, we came back before dinner every night. My wife would cook for him. And he would eat every meal, saying, mm, mm. and I keep seeing Jesus going, mm. and every day was a worship for us. Worship. Worship. We rose up. We had to make decisions. We had to change our lives. We had to change our schedules. God restored my dad back to me and me back to my dad in six months. What, what the devil stole from us for 30 years. Six months. And my dad and I, because we ate together every night for six months, became good friends. You don't know what God is arranging for you when He does allow things to happen in your life. And all we need, just need to say is, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. And by saying yes, we rise, we rise, we rise. 
And then we have to, the next point is to take up our bed. So he said, Jesus says, rise. So that's the first point. Come on, take responsibility for your life. Take responsibility for the loved ones around you. Take responsibility for your future. That's number one. Rise up. Come on. Enough of these excuses. Carry on with life and walk. Keep walking. But the next thing Jesus says is, take up your bed. I was, you know, for years I never understood this. Until one day, uh, when the Lord was teaching me about healing, two and a half years of pandemic, the Lord was teaching me about healing, and I've got 304, 307 notes on healing uh, uh, because God was just, you know, wanting me to understand about uh, the dynamics and the truth behind healing. So one day, I uh, was, I don't know what happened to me, but I was on my bed, uh, actually on my, uh, the bed in my prayer room, I have a prayer room, and there was a bed in my prayer room, and, and I, I, I laid on it, and suddenly I felt uh, so sick in my body. I couldn't get up. And my mind was, you know, again, speaking to me and saying, Kenneth, uh, you know, a stroke is coming on you. Your father had stroke, you will have stroke, blah, 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 you know, this, all this uh, stuff. And of course, I learned, I will not confess it, right? I will not open my mouth to declare it. So the thoughts were coming and I said, no, 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 no. By his stripes, I'm healed. And I said all that. But my body was feeling like it was shutting down on my bed, shutting down. And I'm like, God, what's happening to me? And I had cold sweat. And I'm thinking to myself, what in the world is going on? And I, I couldn't move my right hand. I couldn't move my left hand. And I was on my bed, as I said. And then the voice of the Lord broke through and said, Kenneth, you've got to take up your bed. I said, what's that? What does that mean? Take up your bed. And then he was teaching me about beds in our lives. You see, we usually resign to our bed. We retire to our bed. We get depressed, it's our bed that we look forward to. We, we get down, it's our bed we look forward to. Are you with me? When you want to live, you get up from your bed. When you have something important, appointment, you get up from your bed. When you have excitement in the morning, you get up from your bed. You only go to bed because you're tired or retired. When you're refired, you want to get up. In fact, you don't, want to even, you don't even want to sleep so much. How many of you have been sleeping a lot in this camp? No, because it's so exciting. To be in this camp, you probably go like, I think I slept three hours. You know, but you don't, you won't do this on a daily basis because it's so exciting, you don't want to sleep. You want to sleep, but you don't want to sleep. You know, you, your, your body says, sleep, sleep, sleep. Your body is saying, you know, but so many people here, you know, I, I, I you know only once a year I get to spend the time with them. You know, you know, chat la, chat la, chat until the cows come home, you know, and, and the cows did come home. Uh, um, yeah, it's like that. When you're alive, when something to look forward to, you get up. You look at people who are depressed, they're always looking for their bed. Yeah. And so, I, I saw like my bed had hands. And it was pulling me down. This bed was pulling me. I, I, I said, come on, what's going on? And the Lord reminded me of John 5 verse 8. Rise, take up your bed and walk. And so with all my might, I just got up from bed, right? As soon as I got up from bed, in I think 10 seconds, the pain left my body. And God taught me, He says, Kenneth, sometimes we're just sitting down, lying down, giving up, uh, 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 just depressed, laying there, and we are praying in a depressed state that we will be healed. But the real action is not just your prayer, the real action is in getting up. And disallowing this bed. See, I, I wrote some words here. Um, the words is, uh, on the slide would be like this. You need to take up your bed. Hold up the bed which you have been, which had been holding you down. The bed held you down. Now it's time you hold it up. 
Start to carry that which carried you. Make that which you have been depending on become your dependent. Now you know why, for, for those of you who have watched healing videos before, you know why the healing or the healing minister goes, uh, let's say you are in a wheelchair or something like that, he goes like, he prays for you and then he takes your hand and he tries to get you up. Because that wheelchair has been holding you for too long. See, it's not the wheelchair, it's the mentality of the wheelchair. Is your dependency on the wheelchair? Is your dependency on the bed? Is your dependency on that medication? Is your dependency... No, I, I, some doctors will say, you're going to live with this medication for the rest of your life. I would like to be as a Christian goal. Okay, thank you doctor for saying that I have to be on this, let's say cholesterol pills or high blood pressure pills for the rest of my life. Thank you for telling me that. You've got to do your job. And you take it and you take it. You've got to take uh, what your doctor tells you, but you take it prayerfully. Hoping that one day God will set you free from even this. Because He can. But before he does, you keep taking it. Yeah. That, that's got to be the wisdom. Yeah. But you keep taking it saying, God, I hope this is the last one. God, I hope this is the last one. God, You've you, you got to have hope. Yeah. You've got to have faith. Yeah. Don't resign to your bed. Don't resign to your excuses. Don't resign to your medication. Don't resign to your lack. Too many of us resign to I cannot, like, I will never. I don't say that last night when I said to you, uh, I dream to be Prime Minister. It's only because I know that all things are possible with God. Do I want and need to be a Prime Minister? I don't need to be. You know how I pray in Malaysia? I don't pray for a Christian Prime Minister. I pray for a Christian advisor that the Prime Minister will listen to. Because all we need is Daniels and Josephs. We don't need Christian Prime Minister and Presidents. Because sometimes they also don't do very, very well. So we, I don't pray for Christian uh, Cabinet Ministers. I pray for Daniels and Josephs to rise up so close they will get to the the pharaohs and the Nebuchadnezzars, uh, that they will listen to them as if they were the prime minister. Yeah. So I said, Lord, make me the Daniel. Yeah. Make me the Joseph. I don't need to pray for Christian prime minister. I pray for the, for the non-Christian. Do you know our Nebuchadnezzar and, and Pharaoh are not righteous kings? They are probably evil, cruel. They get you know, off with the head type of people. You know? So some of your governments are, will be probably the worst kind of people up there. So I, I know I'm praying for elections now. God, please, righteous people, fear God. Good prayer. But how if God chooses not to? And give you the worst prime minister, the worst president. But hey, listen, you, got, you still got another prayer left. God, give him a Daniel. So that the Nebuchadnezzar will turn around going like, I can listen to all these other guys, but I'd rather listen to Daniel because God plays Daniel and he listens to Daniel and makes decisions because of Daniel's advice. Everybody still okay? So no excuses. That's what I'm trying to say. No excuses. Don't let this bit hold you down. Excuses are our strong, strongest bit. That next slide. Excuses are our strongest bit. Past experiences too. I tried, La Pastor. I tried. Oh God, you know I've been at this pool for 38 years, but no one brings me down. I think to myself, uh, 38 years, uh, shouldn't you be parked next to the pool? You, after 30 years, 38 years, I should have privilege, you know? And, and just, just keep getting to the pool so near that when the angel comes out, you just roll yourself down, you know what I'm saying? 38 years, you know what I think? I think for 38 years, uh, he has resigned to his bed. I think for 38 years, he could have been next to the pool by now. Ladies and gentlemen, how many of you are 38 years old here? 38 years is a long time. Who brings the man food? Maybe his family. Have you ever thought about that? Who brings the man food? He told his wife, I'm going to wait for the angel. Every year he only comes once. I'm going to park myself there. Can you bring me food? His children probably came with drinks 
Papa, Papa. Oh, hey, hey, Papa, why are you moving further and further from the pool? Huh? Now, mind not this, this spot very nice. Shade. 38 years, you think about it. And Jesus came to him only. Jesus could heal everybody, right? He only came to one. I think he resigned to the fact that he will never get to the pool. But it's waiting there anyway. 38 years. Friend, you, some of you say lining up for your favorite restaurant, huh? 45 minutes was very long already. But you will gather up wisdom no, after 45 minutes and go like, okay, this I, I know what time to come next time. I know what. You, you will gather up wisdom. 38 years, you cannot gather up wisdom uh, to come to the pool. I've just been just next to the edge, you know, just next edge. Angel coming, angel coming. Woo! Just, no, no. He's probably so far back. And Jesus said, how long have you been like this? 38 years, too long. How many of you have resigned to the fact because your parents have not come to know the Lord? I don't think they'll come. They'll ever come because I've been praying for them for 20 years. They will never come. You resign to the fact that if God were to save my father, I think the next day Jesus will come back. You know, you, you resign to the fact that it's going to take a huge miracle. There's no one to put me in the pool. The elephant, when he's a baby, they put a big rope so that he doesn't move. And as the elephant tries to move, you know, muscle memory, Muscle memory. Now that the elephant is huge, in India they do this, right? They put a very thin rope around the elephant's leg because the elephant have been so used to knowing that as long as there's something, a tugging in the right leg or whatever leg they put it on, as long as there's a little bit of tugging, I won't be able to be free. But the elephant now is a mature elephant. It can just easily kick that rope, but it doesn't because from baby, the rope has been on the same leg. And so in India, the question was asked, why do you have such a thin rope around a big elephant? I said, don't worry about it. The rope is not in the leg, it's in the mind. Wow. I, I can't. I don't think I'll ever amount to. I, sometimes I say simply, I would like to be the Prime Minister of Malaysia just to, just to keep dreaming that our God can. That's all. I don't need to be, as I said, I don't need to be. Just, just to keep this string off my leg. You with me? Just to keep this string off my leg and say, I can go anywhere that God sends me. I can do anything that God calls me to. Just get this rope off your leg. You say it's God's fault. I'm telling you right now, you have a responsibility. Why God hasn't come true for me yet? Because the rope. The breakthrough for God is very easy on the outside. The breakthrough is harder for him on the inside because it takes your cooperation. Without your cooperation and without your yes, Lord, he doesn't move. If he moves, he has forced you. And God doesn't force people. Get it off. Lazarus. Remember, I love Lazarus' story here because uh, Lazarus, come forth. He's dead. Four days. He's dead. You know how he comes forth? I think like this. Uh, I think like... Uh, not that I watch Chinese shows a lot. Uh, I think like this. You know why? You know why? Because Jesus, when Lazarus was coming out, says, lose him and let him go. Meaning, uh, he's still bound. That means uh, you can experience a great miracle in this getaway and still leave. Because it's not complete. I'm alive. But you're bound. So let's finish this job. 
you just got risen from the dead and you're moving and everybody's hallelujah. People forgot to take the road, the, the, the burial clothes out. Jesus had to finish the job. Hey, hello, not finish. Not finish. Not finish. Not finish. I'm rejoicing. I'm having great nasi lemak, great kaifan, and, and great time, but it's not finished. Lose him. I don't know where I'm prophesying now. Lose her. Let her go. Let her live. Lazarus is not done. A great miracle just happened, but come on, you can't get out of here with burial clothes. Get up from the wheelchair, let go of the crutch, remove the plaster. One time, my knee was in such pain. And so I was putting plaster everywhere, you know. Sorry, pharmacist, I just <laughs> use whatever. Doctor, sorry, I just use whatever that works. Uh. I prayed. I prayed every day, but you know, it wasn't, wasn't really helping. Help a bit. One day, I said, Lord, heal me, please. You know, I've got things to do. God, I, I can't be limping. And the Lord just said to me, uh, remove the plaster. But it's not healed yet, no? And I realize, as I'm teaching you this, I, I, I've learned it myself. Sometimes the plaster is not on your knee, the plaster is on your head. I'm so dependent on plaster, no? So dependent on plaster. Say, so remove the plaster. And when I remove the plaster, after about 30 minutes, the pain left. And I thought to myself, okay, this is not probably for everybody to know, like, oh, let's throw away the medication, let's throw away the plaster. No, I'm saying that so sometimes, if not most times, the physical is not the only thing that we should be looking at. I don't know what plaster you have on your life now. What band aid. But some of you got to remove it and see God's healing. First thing I told you was take responsibility. Second thing I'm telling you right now is take authority. Take authority. Take authority. Okay, let me close. We walk by faith, not by sight. Let's talk about walking as we close. Walking, 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 walking. So you will not be able to walk until you rise, yes? And take up your bed. Take responsibility, take authority. And finally, take action or take territory. Do you know the promise to Joshua was this? Joshua chapter 1. Joshua, every piece of land. Where's the Joshua the scripture? Is there? Uh, Joshua 1, is it 4, 5? Uh, okay. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you as I said to Moses. So God is saying to you and me, I've already given you the land. What I want you to do is walk. Because the land is given according to what his foot treads upon. So if I only tread this much, this much is my land. So if you knew the secret, you'd be walking, right? I want this one also, I want this one, I want this one, I want this one. And as you're walking, you're going like this, right? Because I also because the promise is every place my foot treads upon is mine. And Christians don't know that, and that's why they don't walk. They sit, they sleep, they give up, they, they get discouraged, they give up. But you and I has got we've got to learn to walk. And we walk not by sight, but by faith. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. Okay, let me end with the story and then we close, we pray. My dad as he was recovering from stroke, went to a hospital that I could not afford. I asked people, where is the best geriatric hospital uh, for his therapy? And they said, this hospital. So I went to this hospital uh, in Shah Alam, 
and the hospital cost me 1,500 ringgit a week. Okay? 22 years ago, it was expensive. How much was I getting as a salary? I was getting no salary. Okay, for those of you who don't know, I haven't gotten a salary for 27 years. Okay, God, God, God told me to live by faith and so that's, that's what I've been doing. And so no salary, just trust God. So I think I know a little bit of what I'm talking about. But, but I, I put him there. And I tell you, I kid you not, huh? There's no more time to tell you about how, how I provided for that bill. Every, uh, th- there were times where, you know, just one, one quick one, uh, when I got to the hospital to see my dad, another person came, his friend, and his friend passed me an envelope, and the envelope had enough money to pay for that week. So, so just like that, okay? It just, it just came. God loves me, loves my dad, and so this is how I'm going to close, okay? I go in, and I see my dad going through therapy, and I don't know how many of you have seen stroke patients going through therapy, but it's painful just to do normal things. So the th- therapist will put up the hand and say, uh, Bernard, Bernard, put up your hand, and my dad will go like this, no, right? Uh, higher, higher, uh, okay, rest, rest, rest. Oh, and then he'll be in tears because it's so painful. He can't even button his buttons. His, his fingers, his motor skills, he, he forgot how to button. So just to teach that, is, ah. when every time I walked into the hospital, into my, my father's bedroom, I would say, hey, dad. And my dad sometimes would be in between uh, therapies and he would look at me and he was about to give up. I could see from his eyes and, and, the, and the therapist is saying, don't give up, uh, Bernard, don't give up. And my father would see me and know that I have no salary and know that I'm paying a bomb for him to be there. And he, was, he would look at the therapist and go like, one more time. And I, I thank God that my dad had that sense that his son couldn't quite afford this and so he's going to make the best of it. My dad was out of that hospital in three weeks. Okay? But this is how I want to share something with you. It might be a revelation to you. But there was a guy next to his room who has been there for two years. His family comes in Mercedes, BMW or Velfire to see him. So he can afford to do it wrong. My dad couldn't afford to do it wrong. Let me explain what I mean. The therapist said, see your dad. Watch, watch him walk. My dad, a few days before he left the hospital, was you know, walking like this, right? He's slow. He's walking like this. And by the day he walks out of the hospital, he walks like this, right? He walks like this. After getting this stroke, he can't speak yet, but he walks like this. The guy next door Two years, been next door, he walks like this. Right? And sometimes you see people going like this, right? They, they're, they're trying to, they, they, they've got different, I, I, I'm not making a mockery, I, I'm just sh- trying to show you. And the therapist said to me, the reason why people do that is because they can afford to do that, meaning to say that they, they go by the pain in their body. And so to avoid pain, they learn to walk in the wrong way. Because this way will be less pain. Right? Their family can afford that bill. And so my dad knew I couldn't afford. He wanted to get it right. So it was so painful, but he, he knew he needed to walk right. How many of you in this room want to walk right? But the reason why we're not walking right in our Christian life, and sometimes you can't see it, but your friends can see it. Why are you walking like this? You think you're walking like this, no? But actually, all your friends can see, like, 
right? Why? You're avoiding pain. You're avoiding the past excuses. You're trying to avoid some of these stuff that cause you anxiety. You with me? And because of that, you start going. And the, the, the funny thing is that we, we all think we are okay. But everybody else can see. And my dad walked out like this. And all his friends who saw him didn't even know he had a stroke. They had to come up to him and say, Hey, Mike Bernie. Mike Bernie, how are you? He goes, Oh. And, and to me and to him, my dad was as good as dead because he couldn't speak. My dad used his mouth for his business. Okay? Those of you who don't know, we used to do uh, show business. So we brought Michael Jackson into Malaysia. We brought uh, Eric Clapton into Malaysia. So my father was the show promoter. So he was that famous name in Malaysia who brought in all these big artists. So he speaks uses his mouth. Diana Ross came to Malaysia. Uh, all these uh, uh, bands uh, came to Malaysia. So concerts are like normal breakfast to me. Wow. Uh, okay, we, 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 we had all the concerts in the stadiums. Uh, uh, and so Mike Burney was a famous name. Uh, but Mike Burney is nothing without his voice. But I tell you what, nobody knew that he had stroke when he walked. Wow. And I saw the pain he went through just to get it right. I will go through the pain and not avoid it. Maybe some of you here continue to walk like this. Move like this in your Christian life and go like, why isn't God helping me? God is able, but... And so my dad goes, ah! I see him in the room, like, ah! getting it right, going through the pain. My son can't afford this. I'm going to do it as quickly as I can. Three weeks, he walks out compared to the man. So I was taught that by the therapist. Wow. This is the difference. Your dad really wants to live. Your dad must love you very much. Wow. Because he knows it's costly. Father, in the name of Jesus, I know my time is up. It's been up a long time ago. But Lord, right now, I just want to end this session. Everybody stand to your feet, please. Stand to your feet. Pastor Dave, Pastor Cat, the rest of the leaders here, I want to say that we, I represent the leaders here to say that we love you. And it hurts us to see Christians saved by the blood of Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit, walking less than God's best. If you want to walk, walk properly. Walk with your head held up high. Walk in the right way. Walk in the right direction. Walk strong. Walk with a testimony. Walk with life. Walk with excitement. Walk with light so that everyone who sees you, they, they, they can't see any sickness in you. They can't see any problem because you walk in the light. You walk in Christ. You walk in the truth. And if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. Yes, we have pain. Yes, we have a past. A past that we are not proud of. Yes, we have things. We're trying to avoid it. We're trying to use our own strength to minimize the pain. No, God never asked you to minimize the pain. He asked you to get rid of the pain. He asked you to be healed of the pain. He asks you to be healed of your past, not to try to live with it and now and then, you know, the past comes back with the devil's voice and tries to bring you down again. No, we don't want to live a yo-yo life. We want to live walking strong, walking tall for Jesus. So with the limited time that we have, we're going to worship God. We're going to worship God. I'm not going to call for an altar call, but you make an altar where you stand. Say, Lord, 
I'm going to walk out of this camp healed. I'm going to walk out of this camp well. I'm going to walk out of this camp blessed. I'm going to walk out of this camp in the proper way. I'm going to walk so that when my friends see me, they see Jesus. When my friends see me, they see someone healed by the power of God, by the grace of God. I want to walk strong. I want to walk right. I want to walk right. Lord, deal with that pain today. Deal with that past today. Deal with that bed. Jesus says, rise, take up the bed. Lord, help us take up that bed. That bed that has been trying to take us up and consuming us with excuses after excuses after excuses. Lord, I don't want to live by excuses anymore. I want to live by exploits. The Bible says, They that know their God shall be strong and do great exploits. Daniel chapter 11, verse 32. They that know their God shall be strong and do great exploits. Hallelujah. Let's worship the Lord. Let's worship God. And let's you know, allow everyone here a chance to build an altar where they stand and say, Lord, I know it's as much on me as it is on you. Lord, I respond to you. I know that you are able, but I need to take responsibility. I need to take authority and I need to take steps of action to walk right, to do right, to think right, to speak right. Lord, help me. Help me, Lord, as I build an altar before you. I want to say yes, Lord. Oh, I want to say yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Heal me. I know it's painful. I know you have to go through uh, sometimes the storm and the darkness. I know that sometimes you have to even go through this alone. But I'm, I want to say to you right now, you are not alone. And you will never be alone. Before you will walk, but you will not walk alone. Because Jesus will walk with you.